the men could see the car coming on the road for a long time. It would appear on a rise, then disappear, a black sedan moving through the landscape of white limestone hills. The road was a rough track. Jeeps came that way, and trucks, mules, wagons. But a car was rare. Well, folks, um, this opening paragraph to this uh, new book uh, by an uh, up-and-coming author reads like a Ridley Pearson novel to me because um, this gentleman and Ridley Pearson uh, and others have, have a, uh, a really good sense on how to open up a book. And uh, uh, we're talking with John P. Davidson this morning. He's got a, a book out called The Obedient Assassin. Um, it's a novel based on a true story. I'll let John get into it. Um, how are you, bud? I'm fine. How are you? How are you, Greg? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, look at. Yeah, I was honest, uh, and I uh, I was serious. Um, uh, you know, the first paragraph is what I read, and then I read the back page, and and that's what kept me into your book. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, really? Um, okay, so the obedient assassin—it's it, a f- historical fictional account um, of Leon Trotsky's assassination in Mexico in 1940. <laughs> I want you to pick it up from there because, uh, quite frankly, I didn't have—I I didn't know, you know, Russia, Stalin had anything to do with Mexico. <laughs> right, so, right. Why don't we pick that up? Tell us what this book's about. Uh, uh, well, <clears throat> um, uh, yeah. Uh, at the, at that time, Mex- uh, Stalin had uh, exiled Trotsky to uh, to Mexico. Uh, 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 Trotsky was living there in exile, and um, uh, the Civil War was going on in 1938. That's when the novel starts. And uh, Stalin had decided it was time to finally uh, have his old enemy, uh, Trotsky, assassinated. The, the reason, uh, the stated reason, was that Trotsky was splitting the, um, the left, that he, he had divided the left in Spain, and uh, and that he was uh, he was becoming a counter revolutionary, and um, the 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 hero of the novel, the the young man, uh, is on the front in Spain, and uh, he's he's recruited by his mother, who's a Stalinist and is working for the undercover police there to join this mission, and uh, she doesn't tell him exactly what his final role will be, but uh, she does tell him it's it's an assassination plot to kill Trotsky. And the book moves from uh, uh, Spain, northern Spain, to Paris, to New York City, to Mexico City. And uh, Ramon uh, is who goes undercover, he creates a new identity for himself so that he can um, infiltrate Trotsky's circle in in, in uh, Paris. And he uh, succeeds in seducing uh, one of Trotsky's followers, a woman from New York City, an intellectual, who he they eventually fall in love. And so it's um, it's... A love story, and and uh, and then it's also uh, 
there's the major plot is a plot to kill Trotsky, and uh, and it's um, it's uh, he doesn't realize exactly what he's been chosen to do until the end, until it's too late. But um, uh, but it's, so it's it's a story about many different conflicts, and it's a story about. Um, the world political situation and um and uh and the last part of it is in Mexico and so a lot of it's about uh Frida Kahlo is in it and Diego Rivera and um and it's um becomes quite gripping toward the end yeah yeah um there was a there was a quite a um uh well, I guess we can call it a power struggle between uh, Stalin and Trotsky. Trotsky was mm-hmm. this uh, romantic, this... Uh, uh, um, he was an intellectual, yeah. and he was he was considered one of the great minds of his age and the, you know, the, the greatest orator of the Russian language. And, right. and he was, he, uh, in a way, he became... Uh, he was sort of a celebrity of the revolutionary movement, and uh, when the revolution happened, uh, when it took place in in um, Russia, he, in some way, he was probably better known than Lenin in Russia and uh, and other places. So he was he was the golden boy of the revolution, and uh, Stalin was considered the the plotter and uh, and and the plotter and um, uh, I think it was it was uh, the the cause for the uh, enmity was in many ways very personal. I think Trotsky uh, probably didn't even know who Stalin was uh, until it was too late, and um, so it was one of those things where. <clears throat> Perhaps he wasn't nice to the people on the way up, and they remembered on the way down. So, well, yeah. that, that was typical when when um, Stalin took power in Russia. What, what, what I, I mean, I read, heard stories um, uh, similar to when uh, uh, Hitler came into power. Uh, Hitler got rid of his, mm-hmm. Hitler got rid of all the intellectuals. He got rid of all the uh, uh, the mines, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. uh, so why didn't Stalin just just axe Trotsky from the very beginning? I, was was it the public support and the um, um, uh, the the the, the, the uh, uh, what the hell am I? Trying it would to have say? been politically. Uh, I think at that time it would have been a political suicide for Stalin to have just had Trotsky executed. Trotsky was. Uh, then, I mean, he was he was still he was a huge. major, major figure yeah. in in Russia, and many people thought that uh, nobody but Trotsky could follow, could fill Lenin's shoes, and uh, and Trotsky stayed in Russia, and and he uh, he he didn't want to leave. He he said he would stay, and he would be the loyal opposition. And he would uh, he he didn't want to be silenced, but he um, uh, he w- he wanted to have a voice from inside, and uh, but <clears throat> and that went on for a while. But Stalin, you know, simply wasn't wasn't going to deal with that. I mean, Stalin had so many people executed. It's uh, you know, it's um, 
who knows how many how many people were actually executed. So, uh, but but anyway, Trotsky got out and uh, and was exiled. Yeah. So, yeah. John, why did you why did you write this book? Um, what's what's your background? Uh, are you a uh, um, well, obviously, you're an intellectual. <laughs> Are you Russian? Are you Russian? <laughs> I, no, I'll tell you what, Greg. I was in uh, Mexico City, and uh, the, uh, there's a museum there. It's a house where uh, Trotsky was living. And I went through the museum, and I'd been there before. And uh, like many people, I was always confused. Well, why was Trotsky in Mexico? Well, what was, you know... Uh, you know what was the deal, and uh, and as I spent some time in this museum and began to understand uh, the story, and you know that there was, I mean, there are all of these photographs of you know Trotsky with Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo, and mm-hmm. when I found mm-hmm. out that that Trotsky and Frida had had a uh, a brief affair, and and uh, it was just such an amazing story. And uh, and I started looking for, uh, you know, a book to read about it. I was interested in it. And there's a lot written, but I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. And uh, I, I mean, the Spanish Civil War is, is, you know, I mean, that's a subject that's very, you know, it's, it's a very difficult to start out mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of confusion about. And... Anyway, I decided I would. Uh, I wanted to write this book, and I wanted to write it for people who uh, didn't know much about uh, Russia, didn't know much about communism, didn't know much about uh, uh, the revolution, and um, and and make it accessible. And uh, I thought my idea was after reading this then perhaps you might want to read something else about that. The other thing that really uh, compelled me to write it was the realization that uh, how quickly uh, we are forgetting uh, about the Soviet Union, we're forgetting about uh, communism as as a world movement, and just how important that was, that it was, it was, uh, it you know it shaped everything and everything was a reaction to it. It was it was it was like this you know religious conversion that took place all you know internationally. It was it was, you know rivals Catholicism in terms of its influence, and so um, so that was uh, that was part of it. Just uh, to to revisit all of that and uh, remember what that was like that. Uh, that people's lives were completely, uh, you know, changed by the Communist Party, and that the Communist Party operated in ways that it wasn't a country, it wasn't a nation, and 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 it uh, it operated in ways that were, at this point, um, sort of, um, it, it, you know, everything was so much was undercover. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going back. Uh, you, you mentioned Catholicism, uh, a lot going on during that time. But um, mm-hmm. you, you you wrote uh, uh, this gal Frida as a uh, Jewish woman, and uh, 
that kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, oh, um, oh, you mean Sylvia? I mean Sylvia. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah. Well, she, you know, she was her background was Jewish, but yeah. uh, but for for um, uh, but uh, you know, it wasn't as if communism replaced Catholicism or replaced Judaism. It was. Right. Although a lot of people, when they found, like Ramon's mother was right, she wanted to be a nun, mm-hmm. and uh, growing up, and uh, and instead she ended up becoming a communist as an adult, and it was as if uh, communism had taken the place, the, uh, the, the, the the structure, the authority that the Catholic Church had had for her at one time, mm-hmm. and um, so, but. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, you could be. A, I mean, there were certainly lots of Catholic communists and Jewish communists, for that matter. So they weren't uh, mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember uh, Hitler trying to get rid of uh, the uh, Russian Jews. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Hitler was a different case. In yeah, terms Hitler, of Hitler was a different Judaism. case. Uh, he was. He was sort of a. a, a, a Well, you know, I'm 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 60 years old. I learned about the Bolshevik Revolution, you know, in school and during the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s, you know, with the Vietnam War going on and all that stuff. Uh, it's we wrote we we read things like that. We read uh, uh, Reds mm-hmm. and uh, you know all those wonderful uh, 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 turn of the century movies were coming out at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And and. Uh, you you remind me of a couple other authors who are writing about uh, um, Russia. Um, I grew up on the East Coast. I lived uh, lived in a little neighborhood. I had Hungarians over on one side. I had Castilians on the other side. I had you know Jews, Poles, whatever. Um, but I'll never for, I'll never forget. And and of course, growing up during the Cold War. Um, uh, you know, we we all did that uh, duck and cover stuff, and had the drills right. in school, and um, so I, as a young kid, I was very interested in in history and how how uh, countries evolve and how they've developed, and uh, but 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 more importantly, the leaders of these countries, um, uh, like Lenin and Stalin. Um, um, anyway, I remember I remember some. Somebody saying, you know, I don't know what it was, but you know, you just you just can't trust the Russians, okay? Um, they they've got this long term plan, you know. They've uh, they're digging in deep. Uh, you just can't trust them, no matter what happens. Well, Reagan comes in, we get the wall down, the Cold War ends, but it looks like we're in a freaking mess again with Russia, <laughs> um, which is yep. scary to me. Which is scary to me. So. So a lot of a lot of authors currently are are writing about this relationship and uh, um, what's what's going on now, similar to uh, how Russia has tried to move in uh, to the world stage uh, uh, in the past. Um, so, so this was very cool to to get the history, the historical uh, sense of the novel, um, as well as the the writing. Uh, uh, 
So, it, yeah, it was it was very, very, very uh, uh, interesting. I'd like to, uh, I'd just like to read more. Um, so, mm-hmm. what are you all about, John? Who are you, and uh, how'd you come to write? And uh, you know, I, I I guess you get you started writing uh, uh, in the seventies. Um, you mm-hmm. did you you uh, uh, you wrote for. Uh, uh, a bunch of uh, monthlies and dailies. So, what's what's going on with you? Who are you? What are you? <laughs> you know, what are you all about? Why'd you do the book? Yeah. Uh, other than you know the the fascination with Russia and uh, so, yeah. how'd you come to this? How'd you come to this? Uh, well, I, I mean, I. Uh, my career, uh, I've written, I started out writing for a magazine here in Texas, Texas Monthly, mm-hmm. and which was, uh, it was relatively young at that point, and it was uh, a wonderful place to write. It was, uh, you felt like you could uh, almost do anything. They were, they, the magazine was sort of exploring the limits of, uh, the state and in, involved in sort of creating, helping create this identity or myth for Texas. And, uh, and uh, it was a bunch of very talented people. And, uh, and we did long form, uh, long form narrative, which was great. We would do, um, you know, I would hand in manuscripts for 50 pages long and they'd get published. And, uh, so I started out there, and then uh, very quickly, um, almost immediately after I started writing, I uh, did a story about uh, undocumented workers coming across the border uh, from Mexico into Texas, and I made the trip uh, with them. I, uh, I mean, we didn't swim the river, but we we crossed the river and hiked through the uh, brush country. Hmm. And I suppose I was the um, uh, probably the first Anglo to ever do that, yeah. and um, and uh, I that became a book. I turned that into a book for uh, uh, Doubleday called "The Long Road North," and um, and uh, so then I um, I'm. Work, you know, I wrote. I've written for lots of different magazines. Was on staff at Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. etc. And um, always wanted to do fiction. And uh, in fact, started out um, uh, before I started publishing. I was writing short stories, and and uh, and so this idea. Uh, in fact, I started this book as nonfiction, and mm-hmm. uh, and I. Uh, it, it wasn't working. I couldn't make it work. I couldn't. Um, it was uh, parts of it read like a novel. Uh, parts of it were, uh, um, you know, documentary. The, or, yeah. Uh, well, they, they were. They. I mean, they were these. Uh, they were. There were these dramatic scenes that I could do because, as nonfiction, because I had so much information, like on the assassination itself. Everybody wrote down what they were thinking and what they saw, and etc. And um, but it went back and forth between sort of uh, sections that were uh, read like a novel and sections that were more like essays and uh, and uh, more expository. And uh, uh, 
my agents at that point suggested I just turn it into a novel, and uh, hmm. which I which meant rethinking it and yeah. and refo- refocusing it and huh. and uh, and starting it with Ramon, starting at the beginning, and uh, and uh, so that's what I did, and uh, I, it was and you know I loved the. Uh, the experience of writing it, it was, it was, uh, to, to move into fiction felt, it felt, I, I felt, uh, much freer and, uh, and it was great just to, uh, you know, make up these different sections. And although almost everything in the novel, I mean, every character, uh, um, you know, pra- you know, most of the events, I mean, um, uh, you know, many of the details are, you know, are, can be documented. And uh, so it's it's a uh, uh, yeah. I mean, people talk about nonfiction novels, and I don't think since Truman Capote, anybody uh, knows exactly what that means these days. But <clears throat> that's a claim that I can make for this that we didn't make. I mean, it's 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 a novel. It's and um, so so anyway, that's sort of. That's my background, my yeah. writing background. Yeah. yeah. You you also served in the Peace Corps, uh, I understand. I did. I was, um, yeah, I was in South America and yeah. in Peru. And, um, yeah, that's how I got started speaking Spanish. Right. And, which was, which help, was helpful for this book. Right. And uh, some of the, some of the mater- research materials, uh, some of the books that, uh, were, available only in Spanish so that was that was a help and I've spent uh, a lot of time in Mexico a lot of time in Mexico City so uh, 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 so that was uh, that was great although figuring out what Mexico City <laughs> was like in 1938 and from now I mean you know now there are 20 million people there and so it's I sort of felt like a archaeologist and with imagination trying to think, well, what was the city really like at that point? And uh, what, what what did one see and what didn't one see? Hmm. So, um, hmm. so that was fun. So yeah. in, ni- in 1938, was Mexico City like um, Havana? Um, or was it like... Uh, uh, I think it was probably... <clears throat> Uh, well, it was considered the most beautiful city in the world, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, and artists loved it, and mm-hmm. the surrealists mm-hmm. said, you know, this was the surreal city, and, uh, you know, the, the the air was, you know, crystal and translucent, and the colors were incredibly vivid, and there are all of these different um Indigenous cultures there, in, in addition to European cultures, and um, so I think it was a, a, a you know incredibly beautiful place. And in 1938, it was a bit like um, perhaps like Casablanca was um, on that side of the Atlantic. It, uh, uh, it people pooled in uh, all of these people, Europeans. Um, uh, Jews, people trying to get out of Europe, uh, would arrive in Mexico City and uh, with the hopes of getting a visa into the United States. And it would it was sort of like a holding station before they could get in. 
and it was full of spies at that point. Everybody, you know, everybody was a spy, and every country had uh, spies, and um, because of the because of the U.S. and the proximity. Hmm. But um, so, um, yeah, I think it was. Um, uh, you know, if you have any sense in your uh, of of what Los Angeles might have been like in the 30s, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, you know, you know, a, a bit like that, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, yeah. Uh, what, what just popped in my head was, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, is, is uh, during the um, turn of the century where we had uh, uh, the art explosion, uh, the impressionist um, uh, Gauguin and. Uh, uh, just mm-hmm. all the wonderful uh, artists that used to uh, mm-hmm. uh, vacation in Provence. Um, um, mm-hmm. Provence and the outlining areas were, were uh, this magical, mystical, wonderful, clean, beautiful, bright mm-hmm. um, uh, environment where these where these artists mm-hmm. would would just congregate and paint mm-hmm. and self-explore and everything else and uh, so i like the you know I, I like the intellectual side also um mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, well, it, well uh, uh mexico i mean the muralists the mexican muralists mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. had come to the forefront and uh, uh orozco and rivera and siqueros and mm-hmm. and uh and the, Mexico had had its own artistic revolution, and it was you know Mexico had its had had a revolution, and they had a revolutionary culture that had become part of the establishment. So, um, uh, so it was a place that uh, I mean, by 1938 the revolution was over, but uh, uh, but it was receptive to revolutionary ideas certainly and the the communist party in mexico at that point ran many of the uh, labor unions and uh, many of the uh, hmm. fundamental institutions of the uh, of the country hmm. so uh so it was an exciting place it was a, you know it was an exciting time everywhere i mean it was everything was about to shift and or everything looked like it was shifting there was the standoff between uh, communism and and uh, fascism, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so it was it, it, it was you know a two or three year period which uh, it was very transitional mm-hmm. as any two or three year period is I suppose. <laughs> so John, what's give me um, okay? Um, we've talked about the research and the backstory and the background on, on uh, your novel. But what do you see? Because uh, I ask anybody that writes uh, uh, Russian, Chinese thrillers, uh, uh, I've, been mm. as- I've been asking this question at the end, and that is, what, what do you see on the horizon? Because um, um, I don't know how old you are. I'm 60. I've been through the Cold War in Vietnam and all that other crap. And mm-hmm. and I just I just see uh, uh, I, I see some some mm, confront confrontational times coming. Uh, I see mm-hmm. Russian uh, Russia currently uh, making a power play. Um, they're trying to spread their wings. Uh, 
like they did, you know, 50 years ago. Um, so what do you what do you see uh, for the future of 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 our relationship with with Russia and and or China? What do you, because basically it's the three of us now. You know, it's just, it's three big powers right now, um, kind of uh, jogging for for space on the on, on the on the planet. So. What do you see, man? Do you see do you see crap coming down the road? Do you see um, uh, compliance? Do you see, I mean, what do you see as an author? Mm. Um, it's a hard question, but no, I uh, I guess I mean perhaps that's not exactly the horizon I think about, but are are that I'm looking at. But uh, what concerns me and what I'm seeing now is that. The United States is becoming more and more like a third world culture, and uh, a, a third world country, and with the uh, uh, inequality of income, the, the you know the devastation of the middle class, uh, we're creating uh, a revolutionary situation here. I can't remember what who the hedge hedge fund, um, oh yeah, billionaire was in California was saying, you know, you know. This, we're going to have a revolutionary situation, and you have like uh, the Koch brothers, and you have Ted Cruz. Who, uh, I mean, the Koch brothers' reaction was to their, you know, their father's experience in Stalinist Russia, and and Ted Cruz was to Fidel Castro, where they're incredibly, you know, they're reacting against big government. Well, you know, they're also creating. Income inequality, and and you know they're creating a peasant class, and uh, in the United States, not agricultural peasants. But uh, so I think that's I think uh, you know that's destabilizing, and I think that uh, 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 so so that's what I'm concerned about, rather than what our uh, you know uh, you know I I don't see. So, so you China is being a threat. Okay, I think the threat. I don't see China as a threat at this point. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think of Russia as particularly a, a threat to the United States. But, but, but your your uh, your evaluation on the class system is is interesting to me. Um, we we all remember the bourgeois um, class um, that we. Uh, yeah, well, I mean that you know the 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 I mean that's why Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the interesting thing was uh, Marx always imagined that that you know the revolution would happen in uh, highly developed countries where there was a very sophisticated working class mm-hmm. and uh, in rich countries, and uh, it actually happened in Russia where uh, people you know, were so desperate, they didn't have anything to lose. And the same thing was, I mean, the reason, the same thing was happening in Spain. It was, um, uh, you know, people uh, were willing to, uh, Spain didn't have a revolution, I mean, it had a civil war, but it was ready for a revolution. And it was because people saw that Franco was going to, Take the country back to feudalism, where uh, the uh, aristocracy and the church and the military uh, were in complete control.
Patron and um, and skimmed all the cream off the top of the agalami. So and you know we're poor people were destined to be poor forever. So um, so that's I mean <clears throat> the you know, the Russian. Uh, it's really interesting looking at, I mean, the more you find out about the communist movement and what the communist party did and uh, why it scared, you know, why people are so afraid of it. I mean, one of the things that the communist party did, they infiltrated countries and institutions, etc. without, you know, and nobody ever said, hi, we're communists, we're here to set up a party in the United States. And mm-hmm. and um, and so it was like this, uh, it, uh, it, it was threatening in that way. But, um, but I don't see that, uh, I, you know, I don't see a socialist threat at this moment. And uh, uh, certainly not, not from Russia or from China. Yeah. Well, I... I, I... I think uh, we're leaning well. We, we, as the United States, we we've put ourselves um, in precarious situations in the past, and I'm sure we're going to continue that. I'm I'm, I'm always amazed on uh, on the mistakes we keep making, uh, the mistakes mm-hmm. pe- everybody keeps making. You know, I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm just a little disillusioned these days. Uh, not you know. Because I, I I served, I was a corpsman, you know, Vietnam era, blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. um, you know, part of me was, part of me wanted to smoke dope and and hang out with women and, and communes, and the other part of me wanted to go fight for my country. It was it was a tough time mm-hmm. back then, uh, I, mm-hmm. uh, for me anyway. It was it was tough. You spent sure. ten, you it spent was yeah it was um, you spent ten years researching this. Um, um, that's sort of an over exaggeration. That is an over exaggeration. That is an exaggeration. Well, I'm going I'm to. Yeah, well. the research. I'm, I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I, I mean, was always reading, and okay. but it, it wasn't like I I spent ten years in a library and <laughs> and then sat down and wrote it. So I'm going to call Meryl and tell her to change this. <laughs> yeah. I, I work with uh, your agent <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, um, Actually, they're a very good group. I, 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 I'm, ho- I'm hoping that you have uh, success with them. Uh, Mar- yeah, Mar- well, thank you. Mar- Maramoss is pretty, pretty uh, uh, good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, John, um, pretty. Uh, hang on after we say goodbye because I got a question to ask you. But uh, let mm-hmm. me ask you this uh, pointedly: um, How's the book doing? Are you happy with it? Um, uh, is it is it uh, moving slow? Is it uh, taking any kind of speed or um, I, I you know, know uh, any new novelist? You know, takes some time. Yeah, a, a new novel. Uh, you know, the world is sort of divided. The world of publishing is sort of divided by oh, yeah. those who publish books who are famous and those who publish <laughs> books who are not famous. And uh, I fall into the second category. Uh, uh last i heard it was um uh the the ebook is uh uh being promoted on amazon there's a special for the ebook and it's moving that's moving briskly but um 
it's you know publishing is it's, it's tough. Uh, it's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough world. It is tough. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's publishing these days. I can't. I I, I mean, mm. I think you're my. Yeah. I think you're my fifty second author I've interviewed, and there's like. 10,000 more that I want to get to someday. <laughs> mm, and, yeah. and just a lot of them. Well, I like the book. Um, I like the, uh, I like the way you write. Um, quite honestly, I'm, I'm a visual person myself. I'm kind of like an art director by trade. And, and so mm. when I read, I got to build these little pictures and I got to build this little movie. Um, so I did not. I did not find your book hard to read at all. It was easy to to to, to swallow. It was easy to grasp. Um, and and I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more from well, you. Are, are you doing well, anything uh, uh, down the road? Well, I'm uh, I'm uh, uh, working with an agent now. We're working on a book proposal, and uh, it's uh, it's it's nonfiction. It's uh, but uh, so that's. That's what I'm doing right now. But yeah, a lot of people. One of the as a writer, and I guess as a person, I tend to be very visual, and and mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of what I liked about this was that you know when when I was learning about it, I I could see it, and a lot of people who've read it have said, "Wow, this is you know this is just like going to the movies," mm-hmm. and um, so. Um, John, not everybody uh, can do that, man. Believe me, <laughs> and, and you should know. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I read so much that I don't even remember what I read from one day to the next because I've got a couple of books going all the time. But, yeah, but when, sure. but when something sticks, you know, it it sticks, and uh, I think it, I think you pulled it off. I really do. Well, yeah. well, thank you very much. No, really, um, really, uh, really. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Great. Well, that, that makes me happy. Yeah. Well, hey, that's why I called you, because uh, I, <laughs> I got the book, and I uh, read it, and yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. All right. <laughs> well, well thanks thank for, you. Thanks for joining me today. Um, uh, it's it's uh, guys like you who are, are, and I get the sense that you're pretty intellectual, um, I, I, I like even though I stumble all the time asking questions, I, I just like talking to folks like you because uh, uh, it's not that it, it's. I've always been. Uh, I've always admired and uh, and uh, uh, sought uh, intelligence. And uh, this this book to me was in, it was intelligent. It was well written. Uh, it it reads like a movie. Um, I like the historical facts. I like the uh, the fictional characters. Um, I think he did a hell of a job.